I want to start tonight by first thanking everyone, especially the elders here for making the trips even possible. Everyone in this congregation is responsible for this and for giving us the opportunity and actually making all of our mission work here possible. In this study, I'll be looking more at the how than the specific details of this trip. I definitely am not an expert on mission work, but what I want to do is I want to share with you what I've learned recently, and hopefully this will be an encouragement to some of you that are interested in possibly going on a mission work, and maybe even encourage others that will start thinking that you can do it too, even though you think you cannot. If you will, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amite, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. Then in chapter 3, after he has been on the ship and thrown off and swallowed by the fish and everything for three days, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 59 and 60. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. scattered went everywhere preaching the word. When Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. And then 26 and 27, the same verse, chapter. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So he arose in the wind. Matthew 28, verse to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It's a very interesting study to see how many times we are directed to go. These are just a few of the many verses that put a very high priority on us going. It's a command. It's given to all who are willing to follow Christ. Many of you have been doing much work for a long time in the mission field. Admittedly, I'm a bit behind in actually going myself. But it's an area that I wanted to challenge myself and to get started growing in, though. Having heard so many of the stories of all those who are going, that we here do support for so many years. Even Linda has gone to, I believe she went to Nicaragua twice. And I finally decided to even try it for myself. Our elders here have all challenged all of us to go by saying they will help any way they can for any of us that are willing to go on an approved work. That is their goal. That's their mission and needs to be all of ours as well. The Bible speaks many times of fruit, of seeds. Why? Simply put, the reason for fruit of any kind is always reproduction. That's a perfect analogy. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are a new creation when we become a Christian. That's the starting point. Then we, like fruit, must grow, like 1 Peter 2 and 2 says. We must mature, like 1 Corinthians 14 and 20 says. And finally, just like fruit or seeds, we reproduce, or we are to make more copies like ourselves. That is, more Christians. That is mission work. We've heard from right here lately about the works in China, the Philippines, in Africa, and Bobby and Ben's trip to El Salvador. Now it's my turn to tell you about a couple of more works that you all have supported. In May, Casey got the chance to go to Ensenada, Mexico, to the City of Children. It's about an hour's drive south of Tijuana. And it's a home for approximately 60 children. There they got to, in a VBS type setting, use Bible stories to teach these children their languages and actually they learned both, or went both ways. And just to spend time with these kids and show them that someone really does care about them. Some 54, I think she said, students from Freed Hardeman were involved in this work. And Casey said at the end of the week that it was a great opportunity for anyone who loves to go and to work with kids. 
Next, Logan, Roman and Linda's grandson, that's our nephew, he's been here several times, and I got to go on our first mission trip to Costa Rica. This is with the Latin American Missions Group. That's the same group that oversees Bobby and Ben's trip. They're under the direction of Forest Park Church in Valdosta, Georgia. And having really very little confidence in our own personal abilities at public speaking and teaching, but wanting to make some good come of this trip, we decided that we would take some Bibles with us so at least there could be some Bibles, some more good in a place where they may not be that accessible. And this actually worked a little bit better than what we had planned. Because after mentioning the idea to a few of you that very generously helped out, we ended up with approximately 100 of these RVR 60 Spanish edition Bibles that we had to figure out how to first get them packed in our luggage which proved to be interesting we had I think four 50 pound <laughs> packages of luggage then you have to get them on the plane and through customs which I figured out when you have that many little square packages in a country like Costa Rica gets you to the short line not necessarily the faster line, but we did end up getting through finally. Then we had headed on down to the hotel there in San Jose. Then the next morning got up and did a four-hour bus ride south to San Isidro. That's not too far, actually, from Panama. Finally, we loaded them back onto another bus and onto the church building there in San Isidro. That was to be our headquarters for the rest of the trip. Most of the Bibles that we had, we bought, and another hundred bought by others, were passed out throughout the week. And there was about 20 left at the end. And one of the interpreters was also a teacher at the School of Preaching in San Jose. And he thanked you all very much for the Bibles, he did that several times and said there would be a big help for them at that school preaching there. The 35 members of our group ended up knocking on about 856 doors. From that, it led to about 647 contacts where actually people came out and talked to us. From that, we ended up with about 140 Bible studies for the week. We had two restorations. I think the last count I heard was six baptisms. Then we turned the work over to the local church there at San Isidro. Now again, this is way outside of my comfort zone. I just could not ever see myself being able to go up to someone that I don't know and to be able to talk to them about the Bible. How do you do that? I've always kept some really good excuses for not doing this. See if they sound familiar to you. Number one, just like Moses, I definitely am not a good public speaker in English, much less trying to figure out how to get across to someone in another language. Second, I don't know enough. 
I just can't remember book, chapter, and verse. I can picture the words most of the time, but I can't remember where to find them. And third, the biggie, what if someone asks a question, you don't know the answer to it? Do any of these sound a little bit familiar to anyone else? <laughs> the leader of this trip from Valdosta, his name is Spencer Green, helped us all greatly with an introduction to mission work lesson to get us all started that answered many of these questions on how we could get a study started. He even gave me a copy of this. I don't know if many of you have ever seen it, but it's a ready reference for growing Christians by Paul Sane. And actually Keith's family, Anna's husband, knows Paul Sane. He was from Pulaski, Tennessee, and they said he was a very good teacher, and I found that book to be very helpful, especially with that second and third excuse of mine. <laughs> we were all then broken up into the teams with our group and from the local church of four people. We had an interpreter, a team leader, a helper, and a female. Then Spencer told us, step one, the first, the most important thing in any kind of mission work is to find something in common with that person to start communication. Look around. Their kids, their garden, their trees, their house, anything that you can get them started talking, to get them comfortable and to show them that you're willing to spend time with them, that you care about them. Then explain that you are here to study the Bible and that the Bible is our only authority, just as 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, if you want to turn there. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The next step is pretty much up to you. Everyone has their own idea of how to start a Bible study. This is basically what we did, and maybe it'll help some of you or give you some ideas on how to get started. First, we would start by asking them a question. What is the most valuable thing in the universe, the most valuable physical thing in the universe? Gold, diamonds, get, you know, get them to interact with you. Or is it some other mineral? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Then we would explain that you are the most valuable thing in the world. That's why we're here to talk to you, to spend time with you. 
If you turn to Luke chapter 12, start at verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will put on my barns, and I will build greater. Though I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. We don't know how long we have to make that decision. An example in Acts chapter 8, Philip shows us how to start a Bible study. Isaiah is a great starting point. Isaiah 59 and 2. If you want to turn to Isaiah 59 and 2. It says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. This plainly says that we all have sinned. We've all separated ourselves from God. And that he will not hear us even while we are separated from him. Then Isaiah 53, where the eunuch was actually studying when Philip started preaching to him, that's prophesying of the coming Messiah, the coming Savior, who will be able to, to fix our relationship with God. In fact, the Old Testament contains some 320 prophecies of that coming Redeemer or Savior that will be our mediator with God. That prophecy is then fulfilled in Jesus Christ and to show how important he is to everyone, we would ask them, what year is it here? It's the year 2019. Last year was 2018. Before that, 17. If you count back to zero, what happened in the year zero? Why do we all count time from that point? Everyone on earth does that. Don't you think we should at least know why? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the events of Jesus' life. He affected this world so much that we all count time by when he was here. Shouldn't we at least read these accounts and see for ourselves what happened? By this point, several people would have actually did say that they felt that their sins were too great for God to possibly be able to forgive them. That's perfect. When they get to that point, you've really 
got a good chance here. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 and 37. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Ask them, can you really top that? No matter what sin you have done ever, they just killed the Son of God. Can you really top that? If you rank sin, I don't believe you can top that one. But they asked the right question. What must we do? In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer puts it this way. What must I do to be saved. Then we have verse 38 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That answers this question for all time, for all of us. Repent, truly be sorry for your sins, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Then the rest of the New Testament tells us about the kingdom that Jesus established, the church, what it is, what it does. After we get into it, how we are to study, to grow, to mature, and to bear more fruit. That's it. It really is that easy. That is the gospel. You can do it. But you do have to get outside of your comfort zone too and try it yourself. The opportunities actually... Maybe a little closer than you think, though. Years ago, when Stacy and I were traveling out west, we went to a McDonald's, I think it was, and there was this gentleman trying to peddle jewelry. He said he wanted to buy something to eat. And I, I didn't buy it because I didn't know where he'd gotten the jewelry from, and I didn't really feel like he probably bought the stuff. I, so I just said no and walked away, and I felt bad about that. So the next time it came up, I tried giving some more money so they could get them something to eat. Still didn't feel like I accomplished much because I don't know if they went and got something to eat with that money. So try, examine the results, learn, and try again. Next time, I would take them in and buy them something to eat still really didn't feel like that was doing what I wanted it to do. After this trip to Costa Rica and getting a little bit over my fear of 
speaking with people about the Bible, I got the idea that, okay, next time this happens, I'm going to tell them, I'll buy you a lunch if you let me read you a story. I got home from Costa Rica on a Saturday evening, worked Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, my first day off when I got back. Pulling to Walmart to get gas. The guy on the other side of the pump is filling up a little five-gallon gas can for this kid. And I heard enough of the conversation that I could tell he was needing gas to fill his vehicle up to continue on. And he walked from there back towards the Wendy's. Well, I reached around the pump and I asked that guy, you got that? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Wait to get in my car. You just went 1,800 miles to go to look for someone to talk to about the Bible. There's a guy walking right there. He walks over to a car. Didn't really want I wasn't intending to, but I had to. Pulled up behind him, and there's four people in the car. They get out, and I pulled up behind them. And I said, if you let me read you a story, I'll buy you lunch. They said, okay, we'll do that. So we went in, and I let them pick something off the menu. Turned to Luke 15. Read them the story of the prodigal son. Got done, I said, if... In this culture, this was the lowest that this man could possibly get. He couldn't get any lower. And he came to himself. He thought about it. He remembered that there is something better. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you think there's no way out, that you have to do something different, remember this story. And I bid him farewell and went back out to my car and got in. By the time I got home, Remember, try, examine the result, learn, and try again. I still wasn't happy with how it had turned out. So by the time I got home, I get to my iPad, even order these Bibles through Amazon for about three bucks a piece. So I ordered another stack of Bibles now. Got a little bookmark that has... Church of Christ at Bethel invites you to a Bible study anytime. Stuck one of them in there at Luke chapter 15 and put one in every one of my vehicles. So now I'm ready to try again. We'll see how it goes next time. I'll, I'll update you after the next attempt. <laughs> well, hopefully it goes good. If not, we'll learn and try again. For the invitation tonight, I'm just going to do a brief recap of mission work. Number one is Isaiah 59 and 2. Everyone has sinned and separated themselves from God. Number two, Isaiah 53. The prophesied Messiah that would come to fix that relationship with God. Number three, John 14 and 6. 
Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the only way that we can fix that relationship with God. Number four, Acts chapter two. The same question is for all times. What must I do? The rest of the New Testament tells about the church, what it is, and what it does. If you need the help or the prayers of the church, or if you have never been immersed into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, we just read from Luke chapter 12 a little while ago that you don't know if you will have a tomorrow. This could, in fact, be your last chance to fix that relationship with God. If you want to do that, you can do it right now as we sing the song.